DJ Envy, Angela Yee, and Charlemagne the God. Yes. I congratulate you, Hall of Famers. So I need to be in the presence Thank of you. radio royalty. It's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. This is a big deal. Big deal. I think that y'all have a certain amount of respect for, you know, what everybody else does. And y'all are just the best at what y'all do. We love y'all, man. Thank you for being the people's champs. Probably the greatest. I'll drill y'all. Yo 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 Good morning, Angela Yee. Good morning, DJ MV. Charlemagne the God. Peace to the planet. It's Friday. Yes, it's Friday. Another Friday, another day of big stepper radio. Sasquatch feet. Wendy Williams boots. We hell. Good morning. What's happening? Good morning. How y'all feel, man? I'm good, man. How you guys feeling? I'm blessed, black, and highly favored. Um, highly under the influence of Fredro Bang. I'm so mad at... His name is Fredo Bang? Fredo. Well, I just, you know, I'm so mad at all my folks in my life who did not put me up on Fredo earlier. No, Fredo dope. No, Fredo is dope. That album is hard, but that top remix, oh my God. Mama, Dirk. I'm a stepper. Yeah, with a little Dirk, that's all. I can't walk by fate. Every day I wake up to some brand new hate. You should listen to the mix more, man. You'd hear songs like that. In the <laughs> right, well, if you would do it live like you used to. Ooh. And I'd be sitting in here listening to new music, I would hear it. <laughs> okay. There's no turntables in here, though. <laughs> exactly. Take everything out. If you done gave up on it. <laughs> <laughs> if he refuses to ever DJ live, ever, 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 ever. Goodness ever gracious. But I'm mad at people for not uh, telling me about Fredo Bang earlier. Yeah, it doesn't... And don't try to talk to me about him now, because y'all wasn't talking to me about him before. Dan Nelson okay. manage Fredo Bang or does he? Remember? I don't know. Salute to Daniel mm-hmm. though. He's not a Def Jam, but I'm not sure. Our white producer in here. <laughs> He's one of our top... White producer putting me on. <laughs> Fredo Bing is one of our top five lip service interviews. Mm-hmm. I, I, just, I love that record, though. I, I really do. I got problems with some... It's because I won't be fake. There you go. Love it. I got my first uh, shot of the vaccine uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, uh, why are you looking at me like that? I'm just looking to see where the beard gonna grow from now. <laughs> stupid man. <laughs> stupid the beard looks like the beard growing out his neck this morning. Oh, stop <laughs> it, man. Am I tripping? No man. No, no hair coming out my neck. I don't know. Look like man. the Beijing on your throat. Is that ha- touch it, drum? Touch his throat. Let me, let me see I'm if it's good. ink. Uh, um, what hair. are you talking about? Yeah. So I took I took the uh, the first shot of the vaccine, Moderna. You look a little weak this Mardena, morning, man. Moderna shot. Moderna shot. You look a little weak. Why your eyes red? <laughs> shut up. You look low and red. What's wrong, man? Shut up. You so, got a fever? So we'll, be, got, we'll be watching you. I got to go back on the 25th of next month to get my second shot. So. Why your eye twitching? Yeah, what's wrong with you, man? What's Nothing wrong with wrong. you? Good money, man. Now, how did you manage to get the shot? <laughs> uh, the same thing, the same reason I told you guys yesterday. You know, if you go He's to elderly. a pharmacy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, a lot of these pharmacies and hospitals and, and testing places, uh, vaccine places, I should say, they have to use it. If they don't use it, it goes bad. So I was just waiting around and, and like I did yesterday and yesterday the essential worker came. Uh, well, the day before an essential worker came. Yesterday, no essential worker came and I was the only one there about to uh, get rid of it. So they gave it to me. Got, so that's how I got the shot. So you were just hanging out outside the pharmacy waiting for leftover drugs. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. All right. Well, speaking of drugs, we got a, a <laughs> speaking of drugs, we got a, a great guest this morning. <laughs> yes. Uh, his name is Dr. Carl Hart. Yes. I enjoyed uh, Dr. Carl Hart's conversation. Yes, uh, he is the doctor that, uh, I don't want to say he's a, is he a functioning heroin user, I guess? Yes, he is a function functioning heroin uh, user. He uses Absolutely. drugs. He he's... has a book out called Drug Use for Grown Ups, Chasing Liberty in the Land 
of fear. Right. Yes. So he talks about his drug use, him using heroin and, and some other drugs, and how he's functioning. How he's still a professor and. He's an American neuroscientist, but he studies drugs. So what he tells you to do, the average person probably couldn't do. Like no, he, nobody he should do. He, he no, took heroin because he, he studies be it, heroin. and he studies the effects on the brain. So he also wanted to see what withdrawal would be like, and he knows how to microdose. And he, but it's a lot of things that you might not do because you're not an expert. Yeah, but I you shouldn't do anyway. Yeah, I don't think heroin is a drug that you should be doing recreationally. No, it's no, just no, not. No, there's a lot of drugs. Like, I mean, it's not. I don't, I don't think you should be doing crack rec- rec- recreationally. Absolutely you know? not. <laughs> I think you should be pulling up. Hey, no. bro, let's, let's use some crack. You know, but he, he talks about his drug use. He wrote a book about it. He's a professor. But we're not here to judge, just because we may not yeah, I, necessarily agree. <laughs> but we will we, we will have the conversation with him this morning. All right. I just can't get into the you know mode of telling people just say yes. That's just. Mm-mm. Yeah, I'm I'm with the mode of mm-mm. no. Don't mm-mm. try it. Don't use it. It's not okay. What if you're mm-mm. in the hospital and they prescribe it? I've prescribe never heard what? of prescribe heroin. They, prescribe what? Heroin? Yeah. What did they oh, prescribe crack. heroin for? Well, not crack, but heroin. Yeah. Morphine. They, I mean, they do type of opioids. They definitely do. But people get people get addicted to those. Like the opioid death rate is through the roof right now. Opioid overdose death rate is through the roof Bro. right now. You know, I do a lot of real estate, and we do a lot of real estate in messed up areas. And and I would say seventy to eighty percent of the time, when I walk in these houses, you would see a heroin fiend in there, and needles everywhere. And and then when you have conversations with them, they usually come from a, a great family or a nice family, or a lot of times family with money, but they got addicted and they can't get out. Yeah, and they I guess just can't stop, and they have to continue to have this this drug this drug took their life over and they went to rehab and they can't get out they can't kick it they can't beat it so i've seen it i had family members that od'd on drugs so i don't play with drugs yeah, like I mean, i'm not even trying like no yeah, like heroin, hell, heroin is no. the most addictive and it's the hardest to get off but i to your point when you've seen a dope head yes you're not gonna encourage nobody to do that recreationally or otherwise but we'll talk about it all right front page news what are we talking about well let's talk about the ex-team usa gymnastics coach john Geddert. he is dead. We'll tell you what happened. Everything you do Everybody high this morning? <laughs> Everybody high? What happened? I don't know. He just started talking to me. Nick, our cameraman, looked at me and said, Why you ain't talking about Mars? What? I said, What? And he said, we landed on Mars. I said, nigga, what are you talking about? Goodness gracious. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get some front page news. Where are we starting? Well... Let's start with John Geddert, the coach of the legendary 2012 Team USA Gymnastics team. Now, he was charged with multiple counts of human trafficking and sexual assault. He faces up to life in prison. And he's he's 63 years old, but they say he should not be celebrated as some great coach. He actually sexually assaulted an unidentified person in 2012 who was between the ages of 13 and 16. But the charges he's facing, 20 counts of human trafficking, two counts of sexual assault, one count of racketeering, and one count of lying to a peace officer. Well, now he is dead, according to state officials, and they said he took his own life after sexual assault charges charges were filed against him. Damn. Uh-uh. Gunshot wound. They said he died yesterday afternoon. I never even heard of him until just now. He actually has ties to Larry Nassar. You know him. That was the tennis, no, Olympic coach? Uh, well, Nassar was the team doctor for the gymnastics Olympics, right? team. Yeah, yeah, he was the doctor. So he, um, yeah, they have some ties with each other, too, so... He's no longer here. All right. A survey shows that 38% of Americans would give up sex if they could travel again. They would give up sex for a year. 
in order to be able to travel again. So, no, not not me, not me. That's what I love going. I love traveling to have sex with my wife. That's what I love. <laughs> I love having sex in exotic places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that? If I travel, I'm taking my wife with me. Absolutely. We have sex there anyway. So, hundred percent. Hell no. Well, you guys could also have connections in other ways too. We do. You could travel together and not have sex. And just have great deep conversations. How fun is how much fun is I, that? I'm not I'm not with that. I mean, I, 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 would, I would I would venture to say that those 38 percent of people probably weren't, weren't having sex anyway. How much sex are they having prior mm-hmm. to them giving it up? That's what I would like. Some to people know. are like, man, I haven't traveled in a year. I need to go somewhere. I haven't traveled in a year, but um, I'm good. But. Yeah, I take I, 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 I would much rather my destination be my wife's vagina. Yeah, I'm with you. And I'm fine with that. All right, cool. the Senate has ruled against including including the increase in the minimum wage in the COVID relief bill. They decided that last night. How much? So when they ruled against it, it was oh, supposed they ruled to be yeah, fifteen dollars mm. an hour. So what they are saying is they believe that they do believe that it will pass easier the COVID relief bill without the minimum wage in it. But of course, uh, Democrats feel like no, we need to have this in the bill. It's very important, and Republicans. Are are the ones that are against it. So uh, Biden is disappointed in this outcome. He proposed having the $15 minimum wage as part of the American Rescue Plan. And he respects their decision and the Senate's process, but they still want to make sure that bill gets passed. Yeah, I got to talk to somebody way smarter than me on this because I thought Democrats had control of the Senate. I thought Kamala Harris was the tiebreaker and all of that type of stuff. Don't you have to have like two thirds or something? I I don't know. That's why I got to talk to somebody smarter than me. (laughs) I have no idea. All right. Well, that is your front page news. All right. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up right now. Phone lines are wide open. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. This is your time to get it off your chest, whether you're mad or blessed. Hello, who's this? Hey, what's going on, man? Um, I want to stay anonymous if I can. This is kind of a personal situation. It's the radio, right, sir. Up, we bro? can't see you. Just give us a fake name. What would you want your name to be if you could choose any name? Uh, uh, Mike. Say Mike. Hey, Mike. What's happening? Good morning, what's Mike. Up, Mike, get it off your chest, Mike. Um, man, look, I've been going through it, man. I'm trying to trying to secure a place to live, man. And, and I'm 29 years old. I have a good credit score. I have money for a down payment and for... You know, um, closing costs and stuff, but I can't find nobody to help me. What you mean? Know, because I don't have, I mean, I don't have the income to get the house, and I've been in a wheelchair for the past ten years, going through rehabilitation after getting shot, and you know, open heart surgery and stuff like that. So I haven't had um, the work history that everybody's asking me for, and man, I got seven months left on my lease. I'm paying eighteen hundred dollars rent a month, mm. and my rental history doesn't even matter. And I'm about to be on the street with my three kids. I'm a stepfather to three kids. You know what I'm saying? And well, what, what what money do you have coming in monthly? Do you have an income coming in monthly? Yeah, I mean, I'm on government assistance. You know what I'm saying? But they don't give me nearly enough for them to approve me for a loan. Right. Well, see, that's the thing. If any bank won't give you a loan, I mean, the, the, as far as what you make... There's different ways they can do a loan. They can actually do it as far as checking your deposits to see how much you actually deposit a month. But you got to show some money coming in. You just can't say, I can afford this house. Trust me. Like, you got to have some type of income coming in where you can show the lenders that it's okay that you can pay that loan, though. Yeah, I mean, I've been trying, and it's like I'm, I'm going everywhere that I can to get a job, believe me. But even if I get a job right now, nobody's hiring for COVID. You know, I, I've been trying my best, man, but, like, I got seven months, man. I'm going to be on the street, and I know there's somebody out there that can help me out to finance me. I have money coming in from the government. How much money you got coming in from the government? About 800 a month. 
So how do you pay the rest of your rent? The, the rest of the thousand dollars for your rent? I mean, I have people that help me out and stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I do side hustles on the side whenever I can. And, um, you know, I just try to make money as much as possible throughout the weeks to come. But every month, you know, paying $1,800 a month is, is crazy. And if I had a house, I wouldn't be paying nearly that much. Nah, I mean, yeah, because if know? you had a house. But you know what you, you know what you could do? Let me um put you on the line with, with Matt. Because what they can do is they can do an asset lending. And asset lending is p pretty much saying if you buy purchase a two-family house, uh, you you make the money off of the other apartments, and that's how you pay your part of the rent. Maybe that's an option for you, especially since you have the down payment and everything already, and enough for the closing costs. So so hold on, let me put you on the, on the line with, with, with one of my peoples and, and, and see if they can help you. Thank you, Andy. I mean, I'm not. I, I don't know. I don't know if they can, but uh, I mean, it, it might be a good way to go because you know that way you can say the the two apartments pay your rent and pay your mortgage, and then you just live in the on, on the last apartment with your family. That might be an I option. Mean, I wanted to do anything because, like I said, I got I got three kids and a, and a wife, man. I don't want to be on the street. I don't want to lose my family. All I right. mean, this is my life right now. Hold on, brother. Thank you. All right. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up right now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed. 800-585-1051. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Okay, what's up? Get it off your chest. Oh, let me tell you something. There's a famous celebrity from the 40s that looks like a combination of you, Envy, and uh, Charlemagne. I want to know if you ever heard of a celebrity named Rex Ingram. Never heard of Rex no, Ingram. I never heard of him. Have you ever heard of the name Sabu? Nope. That's a famous Indian actor who used to do the Arabian Nights and stuff like that. That was a genie. His name is Rex Ingram. When he opens up the bottle, he looks exactly like a combination of you and Envy. More you, Charlamagne. He has your sculpted eyebrows and stuff. You got to check him so, out. So, Let me go look at this handsome man. Let me Google him. Thank you, Mama. I don't yes. know. That man don't look nothing like me. That, nothing like knock me. Knock it off. I'm looking at him right now. He was an actor. I'm looking at him right now. He was an actor in the 1800s. 1895, he was born. We kind of older, but we don't look like that, though. Died in 1969. Jelly Belly from Boston. Hey, Jelly Belly. Get it off your chest, Jelly Belly. Hey, Jelly Belly. Question for Charlemagne, right? Yes, Jelly Belly. So, when you started therapy, do you remember the first... Interview that you did that you transformed and you realized you was you changed. Ooh, I don't. I would have to give it some thought. For some reason, YG popped in my head just now because I remember having a conversation with YG about therapy when he was here. I think this was after Nipsey passed. Maybe I'm not sure. I but you know what that Nipsey moment. I I realized um I had changed too because I never thought I would have empathy for the. The person who actually killed Nipsey. You know what I mean? Right, I, I, right. I, I looked at that brother and I was like, man, that brother had to be in some real pain. He had to be dealing with some real trauma to to, to right. do that to do that to Nipsey. Not just shoot him, but but, but kick him the way that he did. That that right, mo that, right. that that moment, I I definitely felt the real change. Absolutely. Okay. And what about um, Yi and um, Envy? Did you guys see a change after his therapy session that you guys went scared afterwards or like? Charlamagne Knight, I, I would say this, he got a little, he got more kinkier. <laughs> so, like, you know, I could tell that he needed some more love. Like, I guess he wanted more self-love and more outside love. So he comes in asking for more hugs. He stands behind me more. Shut up. I, I do I, see that. I've been going to therapy, though, since 2016. Thank you, Mama. 
No, 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 that's fine. Just lead with love. That's all. That's all I got to say. Lead oh. with love, everybody. All love. Thank all you. Right, thank you. Hello, who's this? Hey, this is Brad calling from Dallas. Brad, what's up from Dallas, man? Get it off your chest. Uh, first of all, I want to say good morning to Angela, Angela Yee. Good morning. Charlamagne the God, DJ Everyman. I love what y'all do. Thank you, sir. But, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a veteran, man. Uh, I'm uh, labeled 50% disabled from the uh, military. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to purchase a home for the past six years, man, six, seven years. I I, I, I just, I'm unable to do it, man. I, I, I raised my credit from 540 all the way to 780. And in October, man, for some reason, Capital One placed uh, that I missed a payment or something like that. And my credit dropped from 780 to like 640. Dang. And right now, I raised it right back up to 710. And I'm, it's just hard for me to get a loan, man. I don't know what to do. Um, well, you hold on the line. I got a credit due that I, that'll get your credit back up. And then it's just a matter of finding a property. Do you have income coming in? Oh, yeah, man. I work. My wife work. I get uh, income from the military. So I... The, the uh the income is not a problem okay all right and then um yeah we, we should be able to find this is your first time your first time purchasing a home first time man oh yeah so you you you'll qualify under fha regulations all right you you hold on you know, and, and i'll put I, you on my guy that could possibly get you a loan i want to say this to this brother too man this is why america pisses me off because this is a veteran who you know uh was on the front lines for our country i feel right. like all veterans should get free health care you should get all you should get free room and board Right, and you should get like a stipend every month to take care of yeah. you know whatever you, whatever your needs are. You should be getting taken care of for the rest of your life. You should not be in this position at all. Yeah, I thought they had special programs for veterans. I know in Detroit they do. Yeah, now they have special programs for veterans, and then they have FHA loans where he would only have to put down three percent or three and a half percent. But um, yeah, I'll get you with, with with a mortgage guy that can help you out. Um, and hopefully he can get you put point you in the right direction. Hey, man, I definitely appreciate that, man. God bless y'all, man. All right, his name is Matt, so I'm going to put you on with Matt. Matt's the guy that gets a lot of people loans. And he All doesn't right, charge. appreciate it, man. All right, man. All right, get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. And that's the reason why I do those seminars, to try to teach people so people don't go in the wrong direction and, and, and you can help people get loans. And there's different ways, and the people that I'm around are way smarter than me when it comes to real estate, and I can ask them, and they know ways. And they've been able to do this a million times before. And the next seminar we're doing is in Atlanta on March 14th, where we break it down everywhere from vets to FHA loans to first-time homebuyers to investment properties to multi-units to all that. Uh, we bring everybody from credit repair to attorneys to contractors to conventional lending to hard money lending. We break it all down because we really try to help people. I know Drama's been to one of one of the seminars and he recently purchased his crib. Mm-hmm. And we just try to help as many people as possible because I want to see people, you know, owning their own homes instead of renting. So hopefully we'll see you guys in Atlanta on the 14th. All right. Now we got rumors on the way. Yes, and we'll be talking about Mike Tyson. He wants you to boycott Hulu. We'll tell you why. All right, we'll get into that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. It's time, time, time. She's spilling the tea. This is The Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. Well, Mike Tyson wants you to boycott Hulu. Now, he put out a statement on his Instagram page. 
Uh, he said, these actions taken by Hulu are just the tip of the iceberg. We shouldn't be surprised by these abhorrent actions as they represent the systemic racism that has plagued Hollywood for its entire existence. These corporate giants hide behind ploys and praise themselves for offering tone-deaf attempts at diversity and inclusion, like Hulu's Black Stories playlist that recommends stories about black culture to viewers on the app. Yet behind closed doors, they steal stories from the black community, all because they are doing an unauthorized miniseries of the Tyson story without compensation. Yeah, I never understood unauthor- unauthorized books or documentaries or movies about people. Like, how can someone just make something about you? Use your name, your story, your, your likeness, likeness yeah. and not compensate you. I've never understood that. I never understood that either. Mm-hmm. Well, Mike Tyson is, by the way, doing his own authorized uh, autobiography, too. That story is in development, so it will be coming in, uh, coming out soon. I will, but there's nothing you can do about it, right? It seems it's always, like it. It is always something you can do, I'm sure. I'm, and I'm sure it's some type of legal action. I think people don't be wanting to, you know, go down that road because, you know, these networks got so much goddamn money. You know what I mean? And these companies you're trying to go up against got so much money, but I don't get it. You think people would boycott Hulu? Um, I don't see why not. Why not? Just want to make sure we put it out there because Dave Chappelle clearly did it. Oh, Dave, you know, even with the Dave Chappelle situation, it's different, right? Because everybody it was said, his show. Yeah, but everybody said he boycotted. But also what really helped Dave was HBO Max removing it and Netflix removing it. You think people would have boycotted if those shows were still up there without those networks taking that down? I think it's easier. Well, I think he, he said it because he didn't want watch. people to watch it. So he told them, don't watch it, don't stream it. Because it was on for a little while. And then when they rem- they like probably two, like also weren't going to make any money from it, too. Yeah, I think it helps when the network uh, supports the artist. Supports the creative. All right. Now, Nicki Minaj, her barbs are sending death threats to Claudia Jordan. Wow. I know, right? All right. So this is what Claudia Jordan uh, said. And, you know, she has her show on Fox Soul. And she was telling a story about running into Meek Mill and Nicki Minaj. Here's what she said. Meek got upset about someone trying to take a picture of them in the restaurant. But I'm like, it's Nicki Minaj, the biggest rapper of all time at the time. And Meek Mill's like they're a hot celebrity rap couple. And of course, someone's gonna try to take a picture. And he like made a scene. And I remember feeling pretty like kind of bad for Nikki. She was like, yo, okay. She poor Nikki. She was trying to like control her guy, like, just chill, just chill. And he was just like, I see you, I see. And I'm, and we were one table over. And it was like super uncomfortable. What did she say that was bad? The part where she said Nikki was, I guess, the hottest. And then she said at that time. Oh. Uh, and you know huh? what's funny? I saw when this first happened, and I was like, "Oh, the barbs are going to be mad." I didn't hear that until you just said it. I but that's what they it. were mad about, and she wasn't trying to insult Nicki Minaj. No, as Jay Z said before, that you're 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 only going to be like that white hot artist once. You know what I'm saying? You can always be consistently hot, but that 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 time when it's your moment, like you know, that's that's a few years. It's well, always, the barbs like, were, were sending out death threats. Listen to what Claudia had to say. Yeah, I'll be doing a little death threats and a little, you know, I'm going to spit on you when I see you because you talked about Meek Mills. Or, and I found you was trying to shade her in your compliment. Claudia can definitely tell her story because it's her story to tell. But what was the context? What was the reason she was telling She was talking story? about Meek Mill and how he was a little acting out. So in the course of the story, she's talking about seeing Nikki and Meek out together and how mm-hmm. Meek was really upset and kind of embarrassing Nikki. Mm-hmm. So that was it. She wasn't trying to insult Nicki Minaj, but they took it that way. Mm. All right. Natori is going to be co-lead opposite Eve in a new ABC show. The ABC hour-long pilot is called Queens. 
So it's four strange and out-of-touch women in their 40s reuniting for a chance to recapture their fame and regain the swagger they had as the nasty bitches. It was a group in the 90s that made them legends in the hip-hop world. <laughs> what? Well, um, so what? She's not going to be on Power no more? She is still, uh, they said she is still going to be, she's no longer a series regular. Yep, sounded to me like somebody's character might be getting killed off. So sounded to me like Tasha But she might be is, they got. said, going to reprise her role in some fashion down the road. So I don't know what's happening on the next season. Of course, they're not going to tell you. Yeah, because they're shooting the new season of Ghost Night, I believe. Mm -hmm. So we shall see. But uh, So congratulations to my girl, Natori. Mm -hmm. Also, Tyler Perry has another drama that's going to be at BET Plus, and it's called All the Queen's Men. And it's going to follow the female owner of an upscale strip club in Atlanta who is savvy and charming. They said they're going to be shooting that in Georgia and Atlanta. Okay. All right, Britney Spears, her mom has denied calling Columbus Short the N-word. Now, he had done an interview, and he was talking about uh, the incident that happened. He was a backup dancer for Britney Spears, by the way, and he had choreographed her tour back in 2004. He was on Jazzy Bell's YouTube show Inside Hollywood earlier this month, and he said this. Like, I wasn't shocked when it happened. Look where they're from. Um, they're from Louisiana. Just because they're in Hollywood, you know, they have black bodyguards. Don't mean that they don't, behind closed doors, use that word. And the way it came out was so effortless. Did you ever felt that Britney Spears was racist? Well, after that, I felt like maybe she was using me to piss them off for some reason. But I don't know. No, I think she is a really sweet person that was tor tormented. I liken it to like Princess Diana. She was the pop princess of this of the world. Yeah, I just pulled it up on Us Weekly. You know, her her, her mom re replied. I know, I got it right here. Oh, okay. She, <laughs> she said, "Nigga, please, I would never." No. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what she said. No, her mom, Lynn Spears, denied it, and she said, "I want to be very clear. Those terrible words are not remotely in my vocabulary." She said that to the New York Post, page six. I would never say that to anyone, much less my daughter ever. He has it in his book too, by the way. All right, well, that is your rumor report. All right, now we got front page news. Next, what are we talking about? Yes, let's talk about this George Floyd police reform bill. Uh, House, House Democrats have reintroduced that bill. Finally. All right, we'll get into that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Billie Jean, Billie Jean. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get into some front page news. Where are we starting, Yeezy? Oh, I wanted to clarify something earlier. I know Charlamagne had a question about the minimum wage and the COVID relief bill. Well, they have ruled against even putting that in the bill for COVID relief. That's why it's not in it. It's not that it didn't pass. It's just that they ruled that they couldn't put it in the actual COVID relief package, that bill. They'll have to do that separately. So that's why it's not there. It's not that it was voted on. All right, now, House Democrats also reintroduced policing legislation that is named in honor of George Floyd, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act of 2021. That's what the bill is called. They want to overhaul qualified immunity for law enforcement, prohibitions on racial profiling on the part of law enforcement, and a ban on no-knock warrants in federal drug cases. They could vote on this proposal as soon as next week. Yeah, finally, you know, the George Floyd Policing Act, making weed legal, decriminalizing weed, whatever it is. Those are some things I thought, you know, they would have knocked out of the park ASAP because those are things that they actually were running on. You know, those were reasons they were telling us we should vote. If you want the George Floyd Policing Act, if you want, you know, uh, marijuana legalized, vote Democrat. So they should have knocked that out of the park early. So right, hopefully well, it gets done next week. Joe Biden posted on Twitter, I'm pleased that the House will vote next week on the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. I encourage the House to pass it. Following Senate consideration, I hope to be able to sign it into law, a landmark police reform, reform bill. 
So I know he came in and did all these things immediately, but the main thing is you want to make sure that it becomes an actual law so that it's not something the next president can overturn. All right, now let's discuss this uh, supposed object that could have been a UFO. The FBI is looking into an encounter with the UFO that was uh, in flying over New Mexico. That flight was American Airlines headed to Phoenix from Cincinnati. Here is what they said. Have any targets up here? We just had something go right over the top of us that... I hate to say this looked like a long cylindrical object that almost looked like a cruise missile type of thing moving really fast that went right over the top of us. The wheel! Listen, it's wow. time. I mean, listen, man, I, you know, you know, I'm a avid believer in uh, extraterrestrials simply because wow. you cannot look at this planet Earth and look at all the diversity of life on this Earth and think that the universe is not as diverse. I mean, you got humans here and fish and animals and birds in the sky, all types of stuff. You think that the universe is not as diverse? Come on. You think we're the smartest life forms in all of these galaxies? Please. Didn't you peaceful. have an incident also? I've definitely seen a UFO before. Saw a UFO in third grade. No, you said some somebody abducted you. I've been abducted before as well. Right. How did you skip over that but talk about the same <laughs> I mean, I've had a bunch of them. <laughs> what was his name? Uh, so I, tell I, us the actually, story. I actually, actually wrote a book called Black Privilege. Opportunity comes to those who create it. It's a New York Times bestseller. I, you know, uh, detail these experiences in depth but yes, they said you had two holes in your I had two scars on both shins they were in the exact same place that was, they were the exact same length on your knees woke bro. up woke up the, uh, in, them, in the morning with, with them there that was recently though that was in the past five years five six years <laughs> absolutely All right. but you know what but like, listen I see the looks on y'all face. I can't wait to see the looks on y'all face when y'all realize aliens are real, extraterrestrials are real, and they looking at us like we were aliens the whole time. They're gonna look at you and be like, whatever that is on your face isn't natural. <laughs> we've been studying, <laughs> we've been studying humans for years, Yo, and up, that, that 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 black stuff on your face that doesn't come naturally. Shout to Kevin Hart, shout to Khaled, shout Boy, to you Diddy, are shout Beijing snitch to my brothers. Boy, I swear and that to God, is your boy. front page news. You want everybody to get a Beijing conspiracy what are you charge? Talking about? You bring it down the whole Beijing Carter. I can't shut my brothers God, what are we going? What are we going into peace. next? Goodness gracious. Let them die in peace. Okay? <laughs> oh, my, my God. Brothers. Now, when we come back, Dr. Carl Hart will be joining That's us. That's a good transition. Why? From one thing to that. Go ahead. Now, Dr. Carl Hart, <laughs> he, um, I, I guess he's an avid heroin user. I guess it's a good transition because beam me up, Scotty. Yeah. You know what I mean? He gets hot. <laughs> he gets All, right. Right. <laughs> All right, off heroin. Yes. Okay. So, he has a book out called Drug Use for Grownups, Chasing Liberty in the Land of Fear. And don't yes, just right. call him a drug user. He's a professor of neuroscience and psychology at I, Columbia I University. Who called drug him a drug user? user. I, he I was, did. But I was starting to come here. I but said he was an avid drug user. That He's a t professor at Columbia University. And by the way, he's the first line in his book, is I'm like he says like I'm an I'm an avid drug, drug user. user yes. uh, I'm a unapologetic drug user. That's I don't want to just define him as just that though. Like he's just a regular, just you know. I'm not. He studies it, but that's not just the way he said. He's Dr. Carhart. He's an avid drug user. Coming up next. <laughs> yeah, he's a doc, he's an avid drug user. That's, that's also how a professor. He that's what he tells himself. <laughs> but he I'm uses saying what, heroin. what makes him qualified to write a book is he's also a neuroscientist. Yeah, and, and he's known yeah. for his research on drug abuse mm -hmm. and drug addiction. There we go. However you want to say it. He's an avid drug user that teaches at Columbia <laughs> University. We're going to talk to him next. However y'all want to put it out there, all right? He's a heroin user. We're going to talk uh, to him. Oh it's The gosh. Breakfast Club. Good morning. <laughs> what? The Breakfast Club.
We got a special guest in the building today. Yes, indeed. Dr. Carl Hard, Columbia University professor. Welcome, sir. Thank you for having me. Good Thank morning, you. sir. Tell Thank them a little you. bit more about yourself. Uh, I'm a professor at Columbia. Uh, I also teach, I mean, work at the New York State Psychiatric Institute, where I'm a research scientist. I've been doing that for about 25 years. Mm -hmm. uh, before that, I was at Yale, and before that, I was at the University of California, San Francisco. Now, yes. we talked about you earlier this week uh, because you were all over the news. You got a book out. And uh, you were talking that you are, you are an admitted heroin user. Well, get to the book first. The okay. book. Okay. Just to say what was, what was all over the news. That's what and, I'm asking. And I saw you on that crack um, documentary. Documentary, documentary yeah, yeah. also. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw him on that crack. Like, Jesus no. Christ. <laughs> it's great. It's documentary. Yes. It's great. You should watch it if you guys haven't seen it yet. But the book is called Drug Use for Grownups, Chasing Liberty in the Land of Fear. Ex explain that title. The real action is in the subtitle, mm -hmm. uh, Chasing Liberty in the Land of Fear. Um, I use drugs as a topic to explore our own liberty. Uh, I'm a drug expert, so I use drugs. And I was trying to point out to people that the Declaration of Independence, for example, guarantees all of us three birthrights. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Correct. As long as you don't mess with anybody else's ability to do the same. Now, what that means is that you can live your life however you choose. And I was using drugs as a topic. It's like why should people care what you put in your body as long as you are a good person? And so in exploring this topic this past week, I realized that I'm an example of how moralistic we are, regardless of what kind of person you are. Mm -hmm. People will attack you if you engage in certain behaviors that have been deemed evil. Whether well, uh, there was a time when homosexuality was the case, there was a time when black people were being attacked for just being black. Uh, now, uh, drugs, uh, crack or heroin is, is the evil thing to engage in. Because those things hurt people, including the person using them. You know what I mean? Yeah, great question. So I didn't ask a question, but I'll make a statement. <laughs> statement. <laughs> well, I was trying to save you. Right. Mm -hmm. Because on the one hand, uh, you should know that heroin is a medication that is approved for treatment. Heroin and morphine are essentially the same drug. Point is, is that heroin is a perfectly good pain reliever. It also mm -hmm. induces euphoria and a wide range of uh, effects that we desire, like pleasure. So when you say that it doesn't harm you, certainly it can harm you. If people overdo it and they don't know what they're doing, yeah, they, they certainly can be harmed. Just like when you drive a car. Uh, but is it addictive though? Is it is heroin addictive? Uh, is heroin addictive? Certainly can be addictive. You drink alcohol? Not really. Well, people drink alcohol. Alcohol is addictive. In my book, I'm trying to help people to understand what makes things addictive. Not the substance itself, because as much as 75% of the people who use heroin are not addicted. They don't have any problem. When you see this, you say, if most of the people who use that drug or any other drug for that matter are not addicted, then you have to look beyond the drug itself. And in this book, I'm trying to tell people what those factors are that increases someone's likelihood of becoming I'm addicted. I'm fascinated by this conversation. What, what, are you, what are your drugs of choice? What are my drugs of choice? Yeah. So like that kind of question, for example, it's like saying, what's your favorite sexual position? It's a private thing. Well, no, you put it in the book. You said you do heroin. You said you do heroin. No, 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 no. Hold on. I put a lot of things in the book. Mm -hmm. I, I, I said that I, I have done heroin. For example, like in the past week, the media, I think it's been said, I do heroin every day. I inject and so forth. That's what they made it seem like. That's all that is just 
untrue. Mm. You know, we're in a pandemic. How can I get heroin in this pandemic? Uh, at least I can't. And any heroin I ever used was pharmaceutically grade heroin. I don't do drugs that are bought off the street. That's stupid. You know, I published so, this so year alone. So sell heroin if yeah, you're not you in your Patterson, Brooklyn, or the Bronx? United States ain't the only country, you know. Uh, I travel a lot in this book. I travel to five different continents. And um, heroin is available on pharmaceutical grade in many of these countries. Uh, in which I travel to. So people, they have this idea of someone who uses heroin as some poor soul who is injecting the drug and is a slave to the drug. And they think that heroin is the reason for that person's problem because that person definitely exists. But the, the person's problem is not so much heroin as everything else. Like mm -hmm. the person might have co-occurring psychiatric illnesses. The person might have had some traumatic stuff that's happened to their life. Dr. Hart, can I ask you a question? Absolutely. I always hear people say, well, I'm chasing that high I got the first time that I use it. Is that a real thing? Because I've heard so many people say that on documentaries. Yeah, I know, because we are willing to accept that, right? Um, it's certainly true. Like, just think of the first time you enjoyed an orgasm. It's like, it was amazing uh, for me the first time. It's like, am I chasing the first time I had an orgasm? No, yeah. of course not. But although I, I do... I like that feeling. I, I like that but feeling. But orgasm can't kill me, can I, it? What uh, orgasm can't kill you? You certainly can't yeah, get killed. Can. I mean, you, you think about attacks. sexually <laughs> retranslated diseases and, and so forth. Again, the title of the book is Drug Use for Grownups. I'm trying to have a grown-up conversation about drugs. And, but, and, but, that's why, but that's why we're asking, because, and, you know, we don't know. Like, for instance, would you consider yourself addicted to heroin? Or when is the last time you used heroin? Uh, more than a year ago. I, I don't know. Oh, so, okay. uh, and, but this is the thing. Because the press makes it seem like you use it every morning, like you pop the past up. past five you, years. You, <laughs> you click open the fireplace. and give me but, that, but that's why we have you here to yeah, explain this. I, I, I want you to know you, we're, not, we're not judging we're you not in any way. We're, we're bringing you here to have the conversation. Trust me, I appreciate it, and mm -hmm. I know it. What is the message you're trying to get across in drug use for grown-ups? All right, so you all know ASAP Yams, right? Yes. yes. I mean, you know he died from what was termed a drug overdose, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. When that brother died, his mom contacted me, and she gave me his toxicology report and showed me what was in the system. And it appears that he may have died from a combination of opioids and other sedatives. Mm -hmm. Now, for years, I have been writing that if you're going to use opioids, don't combine it with other sedatives like alcohol, people like promethazine. Don't combine your opioids with those drugs because it increases the likelihood of respiratory depression. So I made a promise to her that I would do everything I could to educate the public about this. And that's one of the main messages from the book. And this is the message that the New York Post does not say. And that's why I am, it upsets me so much when I have nothing but love and compassion and people who are attacking me. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, I watch, I'm watching your body language and I see you shaking. I'm like, okay, is he going through a withdrawal or is he upset about it? Give something? me a break, man. I'm being honest. Come on, man, I mean, you know, you're upset, clearly. Yeah, you, you know, it's like, first of all, I have too much respect for you. Too mm -hmm. much respect for you and too much respect for you not to come here and be correct. All right, we have more with Dr. Carl Hart when we come back. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Hey everybody, it's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We have Dr. Carl Hart. We're still kicking it with him. Would you want your children to indulge in drug use? Because, you know, growing up, I, I see you from Miami, you from a poverty-stricken area, you've, you've sold drugs, you've used drugs as a kid, you're engaged in petty crimes. 
But you know, one thing growing up, the first thing your parents say is don't use drugs. Would you advise your kids to use drugs and tell your kids about using drugs? It's like saying, would you advise your kids to have sex, right? Uh, you why know, why well, is sex always the correlation? <laughs> because everybody, I hope, has had sex. But you know, but, and, and, and so I'm trying to. Married, uh, well, I'll tell you. And, but if and, my kids are getting married, yeah, oh, you say, want them to have sex. And, right? and sex is pleasurable. So when you said, would you advise your kids to engage in drugs? And I wouldn't advise them, but that's not my concern whether they do it or not. My concern is keeping them safe. So my kids telling them wear a condom. Exactly. Don't like buy that. it off the street. Exactly, bro. Don't buy it's, it off the street. Exactly. Because the, da- the the most dangerous thing about drugs to most people who are black and brown is not the drugs. It's the police. And so that's why I would really tell people don't. But also, you don't but know I, what's in it sometimes, too. But I tell my kids don't use drugs. Andrew, that's a great point, man. You don't that's, know what's see, in it. But you tell your kids don't use drugs. Like, I tell my kids don't use drugs. I don't, I'm not going to tell them go to the store where you know what's in the drug. I'm just but saying don't use it at all. People used to be like that about marijuana, too. They used to be like, don't smoke weed. It's terrible. Now it's legal. And but I'm telling my kids yeah, don't use marijuana either. Can we come back to your point, please? Yes, go ahead. The point you made was if what we don't know what in these substances on the street. You're absolutely right. So the country says we're in an opioid crisis. One thing that is true, we certainly have had a number of overdoses. And one of the main reasons that people are overdosing is because they get tainted drug. Mm -hmm. They think that they might have something like heroin or oxycodone, when in fact they have fentanyl. Fentanyl is a lot more potent than heroin or oxycodone. That means that a smaller amount of that drug is enough and sometimes... Uh, uh, cases to kill you. And we can solve that problem just like they did in places like Spain, Portugal, the Netherlands, Austria. They have these centers where you can submit small amounts of, of, of your drug just, and you can have it tested and get a chemical printout of what's contained in your drug. And that way you know if some contaminant that's dangerous is in your drug, don't take it. Have you ever tried anything else to deal with whatever trauma may exist in you? Because so many folks turn to drugs when they have pain. Have you tried any other methods? Of course. Okay. I mean, I uh, I love comedy. You know, I, I go see shows. There are a number of ways that we deal with unpleasant things in our lives. Because um, I would never tell somebody to turn to drugs to deal with trauma. Or even tried. Wait, 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 hold on. What about ayahuasca? Hold up, hold up, hold up. People keep I, talking I, no, about... I'm, I'm talking about heroin. I'm talking about crack. I'm talking about meth. I'm talking about cocaine. cocaine. I ain't talking about ayahuasca right and shrooms and right weed on. and stuff like that. First of all, to be clear, I am not telling anybody to do drugs. I don't have to. People will seek out drugs. My job is to try and help people do this activity as safely as possible if you're going to do it. So this notion that I'm somehow promoting drugs, Mm -hmm. the first sentence in my author's note is that this book is not not promoting drugs. drugs. That's not what I do. What about when people say you have an addictive personality? Is that a real thing? Because they feel like, you know, you said a certain percentage of people will have issues with addiction and some people won't but how do you know yeah so this notion of an addictive personality is myth uh now it is true that some people will be more likely to become addicted uh, than other people and some of those things i tried to lay out earlier if you have co-occurring psychiatric illnesses. And your parents, if your parents are addicts, does that include... Uh, No, there's no real evidence that says like your genetics will determine whether you become addicted, although that's a 
popular sort of saying, and in science, we are still investigating it, but the evidence is very weak. But also consider this, just think about people who have unrealistic expectations placed on them because they are supporting their families, their friends, they're supporting all of these people, and they have to perform night in, night out, and they have to do all of these kinds of things. Those sort of unrealistic expectations placed on them also increases the likelihood that these people too will become addicted. So that's why you tell them go to therapy. Tell them take exactly. up meditation. Tell yep. them go do yoga. I'm not going to tell them run and do heroin. Well, I guess for me, man, it's I've seen so many bad examples of heroin users. You know what I mean? Crackheads. I've never seen any functioning heroin users are functioning crack addicts. And what are the you good effects at of heroin? You know, uh, I mean, you, you, you might you, not know. But what are the good effects of heroin? Like, you always hear the, the bad effects of heroin. You hear uh, liver and kidney disease. You see deteriorating the brain cells. You hear all these things. Like, what's the good effects of heroin? Like, what's, what's something good about it? Okay, uh, so in 2015, I went to Switzerland and I worked in a heroin clinic where people who are actually heroin addicted, they received heroin twice a day, every day. Most of those people are employed. All of them have housing. Most of them are happy. Their health improved because they don't know, they no longer have to be out on the street looking for heroin and they uh, have no interest in stopping using their heroin and they are productive members of their society. That's all good. That's what we want from people. But, how do, but what about it on the body, though? You know, yeah, if I don't drink this water, I'm not going to go, you know, sell my mother's VCR to make money to get the water. Yeah, see, but heroin, not if it's addictive, I'm doing whatever it takes because I need that hit. Yeah, so like that story that you're telling is like an extreme anecdote. Certainly you can find that person, but that's not where we from. Now, hold up. Now, I'm from the, the no, no, hold up. Now, I'm from the hood. I, mm -hmm. I started studying drugs because of the whole crack era. Uh, you know, I believe crack was destroying my community, just like everybody else. That whole New Jack City thing. You know, I believed all that sort of thing. But the problem is, is that I misattributed what was going on with those people. I thought it was the drug when, in fact, it was all these other things. It's like socioeconomic conditions that lead to all of that. Right on. So this is true. People are do experience problems. But don't get it twisted when most of the people who are using heroin, something like heroin, uh, they're not going to tell you because of all of this negative judgment. Of course, the ones who are functioning well, uh, they're not going to say. So the only ones that you see are the ones who are contrite and they are repentant because they want your help. And they know that's the only story that you will accept. And so what I'm trying to do in the book is to show people that that story is actually killing people because people are less likely to seek help when they need it and we are less likely to implement the pr programs that we need to help people. Now, I'm glad you said that because I agree with you when you say um, drugs should be legal. Whenever I see people get locked up for you know possession of crack or possession of heroin, cocaine, I'm like, don't send them to jail. Send them to rehab. Provide them with opportunities. Give them treatments. That's what I thought your stance was. Yeah, yeah, because that's easy. That's mm -hmm. easy. I mean, that's what but isn't the, that what's right. Well, I'm arguing that we should regulate all these drugs. That way we'll have quality control. We'll have better education, all of that. But if you argue that that perspective, you have to understand that we have exaggerated the harmful effects of drugs. And in this book, I'm showing people how. That's a tough That's a tough line to say, Dr. Carl, that we've I, exaggerated the harmful effects of drugs. Absolutely. Have you seen what happens to crack-addicted people, heroin-addicted people, what happens to their families, what happens to the communities that exist with, with, with individuals like that? 
Like, that's kind of hard to say we're exaggerating. We tell everybody that bullshit story about crack. And that story is imprisoning us. It prevents us from looking at deeper what was going on. What bullshit story about crack? Oh, crack destroyed the community. And that's the, oh, hold up, let me explain. It did, okay. Highest rates of unemployment, for example, mm -hmm. were in 1982. Crack didn't appear until late 1985 in most places in the country. Murder. We talk about murder rates. We had a peak spike in murder in 1980. Again, crack didn't appear until 1985. And then we had another spike in, in 91. And sure, it might have had something to do with the crack sort of markets being developed, but not the pharmacological effects of the drug like we tell people. That's that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that we just need to reevaluate. But it's developed the story is developed more in the book so i really encourage people to read the book now don't move we got more with dr carl hart when we come back it's the breakfast club good morning morning everybody it's dj envy angela Yee, charlamagne the guy we are the breakfast club we're still kicking it with dr carl hart you talk about you haven't used heroin in over a year and a half yes right? um of course the news made it seem like you use it every day so what gets you to the point where you have to use heroin like is, yeah. it, is it socially? Is it something going on in your life? Is it just hanging out with the boys? Or, you made it sound like yeah. smoking a cigarette. You yeah. like, I'm sit, I sit by the fire. You said it's, I sit by, I sit by the, the fireplace and there's nothing like, better than doing a line. Yeah, so what day, but Doctor, you you've also talked about the withdrawal that you have to go through yeah. from so, that too, which is not easy. Right. So I'll, I'll answer this question. So um, one of the things that happens with heroin, as well as some other drugs, think of antidepressants in the same way. If you take heroin uh, consecutively for weeks or months, and then you abruptly discontinue you, your body has grown accustomed to the drug being in it. And so as a result, when you abruptly discontinue it, you get withdrawal effects. And these withdrawal effects can be unpleasant. Uh, with alcohol, however, when you do this with alcohol, you might die. Whereas with heroin, you can't really die from heroin withdrawal. But with alcohol withdrawal, you can die. So what got you to the point where you have to use heroin if you don't use it every day? Like, what is that? Is it just socially? Thank is you. Chilling? Is it recreation? No, no, no. Is it so I study drugs, right? And so I want to know everything about every aspect of what I study. So you mm. used every drug before to, to study it? Damn near every one. Uh, I have you, certainly every one that you probably have heard of. Crack, coke, heroin, uh, Well, you know, I don't opioids. I don't particularly like smoking drugs. You know, I, I work out every day, so I, I like to make sure my lungs are good, and so I don't... So you inject? Mm -hmm. uh, no, I never inject. I mean, I'm, ba I'm vain, too. I don't want people looking at so my... If you don't smoke and you don't inject, how else? Oh, you take it orally, oh, you can sniff. Orally. You, I don't know. I'm not a, Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, exactly. So um, uh, I wanted to know about every aspect of, of what I do. And part of that is to actually know something about the effects. Like if I would have just kind of believed the narrative, I would have believed that heroin was the most addictive thing that one could do. And one hit or two hits, you're addicted. Just it's just simply not true. But if you get to the point where you have you going through withdrawals, you probably done too much. You probably abusing it. So somebody who has been on antidepressant and then they abruptly discontinue, and now they have withdrawal. We're saying what you was doing you can, by you, taking you that abuse, you're wrong. No, you can abuse antidepressants as well. That's that's a but, proven fact. But you've been taking it to feel better, and then you abruptly. But you can still abuse it. Uh, Yes. <laughs> Certainly you can abuse you it, but you're it saying it's wrong. I mean, this doesn't, this is not inherently wrong. These are just inert substances. Uh, we as humans place all this morality and judgment on this, and that's part of the problem. And my fear is like somebody hearing this or reading your book, 
and think it's okay. Well, it's okay. The doctor said it's okay to use drugs every once in a while. He said it's not as it's not bad for me to use drugs. It's just as bad as as having you know I can die the same way from having an orgasm. That's my fear when kids hear that. Wait, or people hear that. Wait, did I say what you just said? <laughs> I, that's what it felt like. No, I, I, like. I, 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 didn't, I didn't say well, that. I, I just want to know what your message is, just clear and plain. Yeah. What are you trying to get across in, in drug use for growing up? I'm trying to tell people, for example, people who are using opioids, I'm trying to say the risk is really increased when you use street drugs mm -hmm. and not you, know, you don't know what's in it. Uh, see if you can get it tested. It's important to know what's in your substance. Uh, and so, and I'm saying to governmental officials, if you really cared about your population, you would have these drug checking facilities where people can submit small samples of their drugs and have them tested for purity. And then we will know if it contains any contaminants. Yeah, I don't think I disagree with any of that, but I want to know why not just spend the money and resources on helping people get clean? and providing better opportunities for people. And if people are dealing with some type of real trauma, you know, giving them other methods instead of drug use. Because nine times out of 10, when people are on drugs, it's not for recreation. They're doing said, it because they're going through some type of trauma. And what he right said, up. you can't go to CVS to go buy your heroin. You can't say, okay, you know, let me go get a, you know, some Welch's fruit snacks and let me get a side of heroin. You can't buy it. So you're telling people to test it, they're getting it from dealers because you can't buy That's it. That's right. That's right. So if you're going to get it from dealers and so forth, make sure you can find some way to get it tested. At what point do you know you have a problem? At what point do you know yeah, you have a like, problem? Like how, how, how many times is too many times? No, like, thank you, man, because we haven't talked about that. We just talked about the term addiction, so that's a great point. So when, when, I, when I'm talking about the term addiction, I'm really talking about the American Psychiatric Association sort of definition, and that is uh, when people have psychosocial disruptions in their functioning. That mm -hmm. is, they are failing to meet these major obligations like they don't come to work they don't go to school they're not engaging in fa uh, family sort of uh, functions or events that are important uh, they're failing all of these sort of obligations and the person themselves are disturbed about uh, not meeting these obligations so that's that's that they you know you're addicted to porn if you miss work or you're missing appointments because you're at home watching porn they said that's the level to when you know you're addicted uh, duh yeah, yeah y'all comparing a lot of stuff to heroin and crack that is really some false equivalence yeah, by the way. I, I agree. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I mean, well, tell me why, man, because I well, think that's an important I could do point. heroin once today for the first time yes. ever. You got yes. me? I could do something today, right? And literally blow off my family for the day. That one time I blew off my family's appointments, does that mean I'm irresponsible? Does that mean I have a problem? No, no. I mean, you are so successful, all of you all. The likelihood of that happening, uh, I'll, I'll actually stake my life on but it. what if it does, though? Hold on, man. I'm just saying, the likelihood of that happening is so low. I mean, you, you, you're you ascribing these magical properties to heroin that just don't exist. What if I do it once and die? Well, if you do that, because that's certainly a possibility, right? That's certainly... Especially because you don't know what's in it, and there's no way to test right. it. Right, and you don't know what you're doing, and I don't think you will do that, because you have demonstrated all of this responsibility in your life. What about, um, you said you've been using heroin for the past five years, is what I read. Yeah. So when did you first start? Like, when did, the fir when did you first ever take a hit of heroin and why? I, I, it might have been now maybe two, 2015. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, I wanted to know every aspect about what I do. And it was pharmaceutical grade, not in this country, in a country where drugs are decriminalized. You did it strictly for research purposes. Uh, yeah, yeah, because mm -hmm. I wanted to and how know. How did it make you yeah. feel when you when you first took that first hit? It was nice and euphoric, chilled, uh, anxiety 
melts away. You wasn't scared? You wasn't nervous? You wasn't think I might die? So I know what I'm doing, one, and I know it's pure, and I know not to take a large dose. Oftentimes, like like right now, we are all encouraged to get the COVID vaccine, and right. we all will. But, you know, the people who are getting the vaccine know a, a, a lot less about that than I know about heroin. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so it's a, it's more risky for me to take uh, the, vaccine. the vaccine than it is for me to take heroin that I know the purity and I know the dose. Uh, that's not a risky proposition for me. You the problem is the average COVID? person doesn't have that knowledge. You can do these things safely because you've studied it for 30 years. You know it's pure. You know where you're getting it from. You know how much to take. The average person doesn't point. know that. He's coming from, yeah, but you're, coming, you're, from a place, right. you're coming from a place of privilege because there's plenty of people in poor and disenfranchised areas who are going to, who can do heroin or any of these drugs and they will get addicted. They're not doing it for reason. They don't have the luxury of doing it for research purposes. They're truly trying to escape something. See, that that's why I wrote the book. I wrote the book to try to help keep those people safe who will do this anyway. Have you ever had a bad experience when you took anything? Tried something? I'm sure. I ha- well, I'll tell you. Uh, you had withdrawals. So yeah, you had yeah, yeah. So there was a time uh, when I wanted to know what opioid uh, withdrawal was like. So I took some opioids for uh, consecutive weeks and abruptly discontinued and, and I had withdrawal. I planned it like uh, so it would happen the night before a big talk so I could say that you know this is no big deal so you were uh, able to quit cold turkey uh, yeah yeah I did you know uh, that's not everybody's story either though you know there are people who use a lot more than I did in this little experiment and they would have a lot more difficult time you're absolutely right the withdrawal would have been a lot worse uh, but I wasn't trying to have the worst withdrawal I could have all I wanted to do was experience it and so I could see what it was like for myself. What That's was that it. experience? The worst of that experience was the adapt, uh, abdominal pain. It felt like it was stabbing that radiated throughout my body. And I have no interest in going through opioid <laughs> withdrawal again. Do you enjoy drugs, Dr. Carhart? Do you enjoy drugs? Some drugs I do, you mm-hmm. know, um, uh, that's otherwise, uh, why would I engage in an activity that I don't enjoy? Well, let's bring this home. Um, I agree on the fact that drugs should be legal. I don't think people should be going to jail when they have an actual problem. You know, I I agree with that. But um, as far as like just encouraging people to do it recreationally just because they're going to do it anyway, (laughs) I'd rather personally get them some treatment. Personally, I'd rather I get think he was help. saying that if people who are using it to be responsible, not but he does say. And that's why I said I would rather get those people some treatment Mm -hmm. as opposed to encouraging them. To just you know to creating safe spaces for them out. to do. Yeah, it. I agree. I'd well, rather Shala, get them some. Charlamagne, you ain't gonna get an argument from me when you're talking about treatment, man. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm with you, but that ain't what I'm saying. I'm not saying, yo, you should go out and do this. I'm not saying that. Uh, I'm 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 saying that there are people doing this, and how can I, as a responsible professional, help enhance the safety? Absolutely, that's it. And I and I, I would I would and I'm saying I would rather get those same people some help. I'd rather get them clean well, and provide them opportunity as opposed to providing a safe space for them to continue to do drugs. Well, you know, I have tried that too. Mm-hmm. And I mean, with relatives and friends and they basically said, like, get the f- out of here, you p- pedantic ass, you know? And so uh, now I can't, uh, they, they don't even talk to me. So there's no way I can even help because, you know, they're going to, as adults, mm-hmm. people will do what they're going to do. And so um, I've learned as a parent, you know, my number one goal is to get my kids home, right? And so they will do their thing, and I have to figure out how 
to help them do their thing as safely as possible and how to make sure they are good people. Well, Dr. Carhart, we appreciate you for joining us this morning. Tell them the title of your book one more time, please. Drug Use for Grownups, Chasing mm -hmm. Liberty in the Land of Fear. It was a great conversation. Thanks for Thank you for having me, man. No, I really appreciate it. I, I have no problem um, exchanging ideas, even if we don't agree on, on everything. Correct. I really appreciate it. You, you don't know how much it means but to me. But don't you overdose, because I swear to God, if you overdose, I'm going to give you the greatest donkey of the day I have ever <laughs> written in my life. I promise you, okay? <laughs> Yo, that's a bet. All right, well, thank you, Dr. Carhart, for joining us. Now, let's get to the rumors. Let's talk Bobby Schmurder. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Listen up. It's just in. All the gossip. Gossip. The Rumor Report. Gossip. gossip. With Angela. Angela Yee. It's the Rumor Report. The, the Breakfast, Breakfast Club. <laughs> oh, my God. What? Nothing. No, next next hour we're taking calls about uh, Dr. Carhart's interview, by the way. Yeah, so you can get on the phone lines right now, 800-585-1051. Just your thoughts of the doctor. All right, now, Bobby Schmurter did his first interview since getting out of prison, and he talked to GQ about what he learned while he was in jail and what he's going to be doing next. And he does, by the way, him and Rowdy Rebel still maintain their innocence on the conspiracy charge in particular, saying that they were trying to link them to crimes they would otherwise have no connection with. They argue that if they were granted bail and allowed to fight the case from the outside, they would have won a trial. Now, Bobby Schmurter said his spirit is always going to be up. He said, I used to sleep next to people who had 40 to life, people who have been in there for 30 years and haven't laughed. I'd have them crying all day. When you got good energy, no matter where you at, you could bring a smile to someone's face. And he also said, I'm not saying jail is not going to break anybody, but usually jail, I, I don't really care about. Even though I'm locked up all the time, I still live good in jail since I was 12. He said he knows how to survive. You get the best treatment in jail when you get a job. You want to shower five times a week instead of three? Get a job. Eat better? Get a job. More phone time? Get a job. But he said they kept firing him when they realized he was just doing it to stay on the phone. He also talks about his lowest time and the moment that broke him. He said it wasn't a fight. Or it wasn't solitary. It was a fan letter. He said it was 2016. I was in the box. A six-year-old girl wrote to me. She said I was her favorite rapper. That just let me know the kids are watching me and I have to be a role model. Suddenly being familiar enough with Jill to rise above it didn't mean so much. <sighs> so he does take his career seriously. He said he didn't take it that seriously before until he went to jail, he said, and saw how the fans were loyal. He said, I can't name a week that I didn't see at least 10 pieces of fan mail throughout the whole bid. So be before he went to jail, he said he just was doing this money and bitches. He said, I ain't going to lie to you. I was 19 turning 20 mm -hmm. coming out of East, East Flatbush, the 90s, one of the worst neighborhoods in Brooklyn. And you got a moment to sit down and be still. And, and I think, you know, I mean, that jail I mean, time might have saved his life. Exactly. Jail time saved his life. And I think he's going to be a, uh, come out a better human because of it. I think so, too. And as you know, Quavo was there when he got out to pick him up and you know, they talk about how they had instant magic when they all first met. He said, whenever the Migos came to New York City in 2014, they made sure to link up with Bobby like the night at Powerhouse when Quavo said he met Jay-Z for the first time backstage with Rowdy. So they all linked up. And I actually remember that. Mm -hmm. I remember that because I, 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 was, I, was, I had to go in the Migos dressing room to interview them uh, for something for MTV and MTV2. And then uh, Bobby them came in there. All right, now let's talk about the Coming to America sequel. Are y'all ready for this? You guys saw it already, right? Yeah. March 5th on Amazon Prime. It's coming out, so they've been doing their interviews. Now, Arsenio Hall and Eddie Murphy said they had a pact to never make a, a Coming to America sequel, but they did end up doing it. Here's what they had to say. It took 30 years because we never planned on doing it. We shook 
and said, let's never do a sequel. But the movie kept following us. So, so every time I would show him something, and then one time when he finally decided we should do it, he came up with the idea and I loved the idea. But the only thing I hated was he wanted Tracy Morgan to play his son. And I think Eddie and Tracy look about the same age. But he's Eddie Murphy, so he's Eddie Murphy, so you have to you have to say it easy. Because I did it in joke form. I said, hey, maybe the third one, Morgan Freeman can be your son. <laughs> that didn't sound right. That was on Tracy Stephen Morgan Colbert. Son. Yeah, that, that wouldn't have been it. <laughs> All right, now, Ryan Coogler also had pitched Eddie Murphy a Coming to America sequel with Michael B. Jordan in it. And they talked about this with the New York Times. And he said, uh, before he directed Black Panther, I met with him and he says, I want to do a Coming to America sequel. That's what Eddie Murphy said. He said he had an idea for Michael B. Jordan to play my son and he would be looking for a wife. I was like, then the movie would be about the son. It's not our characters. We already did that. It didn't come together. Yeah, I don't understand Eddie's reasoning for telling people that he didn't like Ryan Coogler's idea. I mean, Ryan Coogler is mm -hmm. one of the most brilliant producers out here. And it actually wasn't just Ryan Coogler. It was Ryan Coogler and Aaron Magruder. You know, Aaron Magruder uh, that, that, that wrote the Boondocks, Black Jesus. So I don't understand what was his reasoning. What what you think about the movie? What you mean? Well, hey, listen, we got Arsenio on the show next week. And um, I'll talk about the movie after the movie comes out. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm not, I, don't wanna, I haven't seen it yet. I don't want too. everybody to make their own decisions. Yeah, me too. It's a lot of surprises. But I, I am going to watch it. And that is your it, rumor report. It made me feel good. Mm -hmm. After I saw Coming to America, it made me feel good. That's your rumor report. All right. Now, Charlamagne, who are you giving that donkey to? Donkey of the day is going to Representative Marcus Evans Jr. We need him to come to the front of the congregation. We'd like to have a word with him, okay? He wants to uh, help carjackings in Chicago go down. Okay. I just don't like the way he's he's going about trying to do it, but we'll talk about it. All right. And after the donkey, of course, we'll take your calls. 800-585-1051. We're going to be talking about Dr. Carl Hart, who just tuned in, who just joined us and was talking about drug use. So we'll talk to him next. All right. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Donkey of the day. Donkeys of the day, Charlemagne. I'm a Democrat, so being donkey of the day is a little bit of a mixed up. So like a donkey. Yeehaw. Okay. Donkey of the day. <laughs> the Breakfast Club, bitches. Now I've been called a lot in my 23 years, but Donkey of the Day is a new one. Yes, Donkey of the Day for Friday, February 26th goes to Representative Marcus Evans Jr. A Democrat who has introduced a bill that would amend the pre-existing law banning certain video games from being sold to minors. Now, I'm not a video game fanatic at all, so I couldn't tell you why certain video games shouldn't be sold to minors. I do remember uh, about a decade ago when the Supreme Court was debating if violent video games should be sold to minors or not. And Representative Marcus Evans Jr. amendment is in that lane because he would ban the sale of games with subject matter, including motor vehicle theft with a driver or passenger present. Basically, he wants to get Grand Theft Auto the F out of here. Why? Because carjackings among young people have gone up in Chicago recently. Let's go to KTLA CW5 for the report, please. Illinois State Representative Marcus Evans Jr., who introduced a bill which would ban the sale of popular video game Grand Theft Auto, amongst others, in response to a rise in carjackings in Chicago. People in government or parent groups are kind of looking for what I would say is a scapegoat to not <laughs> deal with the real underlying issues of socioeconomic inequalities or uh, mental health issues. I agree. I agree with whoever that woman was talking just now. Let me tell lawmakers in Chicago something. Can kids be influenced by things? Absolutely. Music, video games, movies, other people, of course. Do I think Grand Theft Auto 
is the reason carjackings have gone up in Chicago? Hell no, I don't. Okay? It's like, damn, lawmakers, read the room. The reason crime is going up across the country, not just in Chicago, is because the poor and disenfranchised communities, which were already hurting, which already lacked resources, which already lacked opportunities, those communities are even in worse shape now. So I'm looking at all these uh, news stories about an Illinois lawmaker seeking to ban Grand Theft Auto due to a rise in carjacking carjackings and it makes me shake my head and realize just how much folks don't get it see we really live in an era where people want symbolic change instead of real systemic change okay grand theft auto gets banned then what tell me how is that going to empower and heal people how is that going to provide opportunities to thrive the violence anywhere is not going down if you don't provide access to jobs and housing. That's what people need, stable housing and amenities and commerce, opportunities. Those are the investments that need to be made. You have to revitalize neighborhood economies. Okay, Marcus, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You know that. Okay, you should be advocating for equity-focused legislation and policy. That's what people need, not bands of Grand Theft Auto. Come on, Marcus. The wages are too low. All right, there's a lack of quality health care, substandard housing. All right, for kids who want to pursue higher education, they, they aren't able to because college tuition too damn high and rising. Those are the problems that most Americans face and, you know, black communities face them even more. Okay, F banning Grand Theft Auto. Raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. All right, make college affordable for anyone who wants to attend. All right, require local government to provide health care and adequate housing for everybody. Okay, instead of banning Grand Theft Auto. As the great Alicia Garza of Black Futures Lab says, if candidates, lawmakers address the needs and concerns of black communities, it will result in dividends for all Americans. Marcus, if you address the real needs and concerns of the, uh, the black communities in Chicago and the communities in Chicago that need it, it will result in dividends for all of Illinois, okay? I want this idea of banning Grand Theft Auto to die. And instead of a cheat code for unlimited guns, lawmakers in Chicago should create a cheat code for unlimited funds to be invested in the communities that need them. That's how you slow down carjackings and every other violent crime, not only in Chicago, but across the country. Please uh, let Representative Marcus Evans Jr. get the sweet sounds of the Hamiltons. Oh, now you are the donkey of the for that hey, dog here today. Can some, I want one of y'all to do your Uncle Charlotte a favor. Can you send me up some church fans? I want the old school church fans that grandma used to use when she uh -huh. used to be in the pew fanning herself. Because around eight something every morning in this room for the past couple months, it has gotten hot so hot. Oh. All right. Well, thank you for that donkey today. When we come back, let's open up the phone lines. 800-585-1051. We're talking uh, Dr. Carl Hart. Now, he was on earlier. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have different things to say about his opinion on drug use and, and what he had to say about drug use. Did people, you? they have this idea of someone who uses heroin is some poor soul who is injecting the drug and is a slave to the drug. And they think that heroin is the reason for that person's problem. The person's problem is not so much heroin as everything else. Like mm -hmm. the person might have co-occurring psychiatric illnesses. I always hear people say, well, I'm chasing that high I got the first time that I use it. Is that a real thing? It's certainly true. Like, just think of the first time you enjoyed an orgasm. It's like, it was amazing uh, for me the first time. It's like, am I chasing the first time I had an orgasm? No, yeah. of course not. But although I, I do... I like that feeling. I, I like that but feeling. But orgasm can't kill me, can I, it? 
What? Well, orgasm can't kill you? You certainly can get yeah, killed. Can't. All right. Well, let's open up the phone lines <laughs> at 800-585-1051. I'm I, dead. You dead? <laughs> I'm dead. I've been dead for a long time. Well, we're opening up the phone lines. Let's talk about it. We'll take your calls when we come back. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. It's topic time. Call 800-585-1051 to join into the discussion with The Breakfast Club. Talk about it. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. So we're just opening up the phone lines, talking about the doctor that called earlier, talking about drug use. What do you guys think? Start with you, Yee. I mean, I understand, and he was stressing that he was not telling people to use drugs. He was saying for people that do use drugs, they're going to do it anyway, just like a lot of people do things you know you shouldn't do, but it does still happen, so how do you make it safer for people to do it? They didn't make me want to try drugs or want to use heroin or anything like that, but I understand that a lot of times people are mixing different cocktails together of different drugs, and people are also not knowing what they're taking because they're buying it off the street, so it just makes it more dangerous. It didn't sound like it to me. I mean, him saying that he used drugs and he wasn't addicted makes it kind of seem like it's okay in, in, in what he said. I'm from a different school. I know there's some parents out there that be like, hey, my kids are going to drink anyway. I'd rather them drink in the house. I'm not that parent. My parents weren't that parent. My parents were, no, you're not drinking and you're not drinking in my house. And if I catch you drinking, I'm going to bust your ass. That's the way I am. You're not drinking in my house. Some parents allow that. Hey, if you're going to drink, you might as well drink anyway. Yeah, my parents crib. will let me drink with them. See, that's your parents, not mine. <laughs> now, that that's how I feel. My, my thing is, no, drug, drug use is not good at all. I don't want to promote it. I don't want to talk about I tried it or use it or you can be in a, 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 a walking heroin fiend. No, that doesn't work. That doesn't, that doesn't sound good to me. Don't use drugs. I don't want my kids near drugs. It's bad. I don't want you to try it. Even I don't weed? want you to, Huh? Even weed? Yeah, I don't want them stop, trying stop, weed either. Stop, stop, stop. But I don't want them using my kids. Too. I don't want them using any drug. We're talking about heroin, man. You know what I'm saying? And here's the thing with Dr. Carhart. I feel that all drugs should be decriminalized. I don't want to see people going to jail for addiction. If you have a problem with heroin, if you have a, a addiction problem with crack, addiction problem with meth, I don't think you should go to jail for that. You should, you know, uh, get help. And I don't think we should create safe spaces to do drugs. I think we should invest resources into people going to rehab, people seeking treatment, and provide opportunities for them. You know, I'm a big advocate for mental health and mindfulness, and there's a lot of other ways to deal with your trauma other than telling people to turn to drugs. Well, let's go to the phone lines. Hello, who's this? Hi, this is Dana from Newport News. Hey, Zaina from the 757. What were your thoughts? Um, I think that what he's saying is very irresponsible um, because everybody doesn't have the luxury of getting their drugs from Sweden. Mm -hmm. So what is he expecting people to go out here and buy heroin and take it to the police station and be like, hey, can you test my drugs for me? <laughs> like, it's illegal here, <laughs> you know? So there is no safe way to do heroin here in America. And if that's the message that he's trying to put out is that there is a safe way if the government puts certain things in place, then let that be the message. But don't go out here promoting that there's a safe way to do this in America because not everybody who does drugs are doing them because their life is the bull and they're trying to escape their problems. A lot of this starts out as just fun. Mm -hmm, you know, exactly. people at parties and doing things. And so somebody may be listening to this guy right now thinking their life is fine, but they're curious about what he's saying and mm -hmm. they try it and die. And, and that's heroin my point. Is the yeah, most they feel like it's drunk. not that bad because the way he talks, it makes it seem like it's not that bad. 
But that's not the heroin addicts I've seen. When I be when I be buying these cribs, and that's not how my my uncle OD'd. It was bad. But I told Thank him you. that though. I told him that you know his 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 perspective was coming from a real place of privilege. Hello, who's this? This is Travis. Hey Travis, what's going on? What do you think of the doctor? Man, I just want to say I've had four really close friends die from overdose in the past year or year and a half. And I'm talking about people that were very respectable people until they decided to start using pain pills and heroin and that like, and it completely changed these people. Once the drug you started, they were no longer the same people that I knew and loved and respected. They lied, they cheated, they did anything to get the drug. And and I just watched it, you know, over a course of two years, they completely became somebody else. Right. For him to say that it's not the drug, that it's their personality, and that's a lie, man. These drugs are killing people. Thank you, brother. I agree. Hello, who's this? This is Ashley from Jacksonville, Florida, 904. 904, what's happening? Ashley, good morning. Hi, Charlamagne. Hi, DJ MVI, Angela. I love you guys. Hey, Ashley. back. So what's your thoughts on the doctor that called in from Florida? So my thought is, guys, y'all are so rough. DJ Envy, I know you have your stance on the drug use. And Charlamagne, I know you're with therapy. But he was trying to get out that he's not promoting drugs. He's just saying for those who are going to quit against therapy altogether, especially our black community, was against therapy just how to safely use it y'all didn't really let them talk until the end well can i ask you a question where's the safe space for people to do that in america well, they, uh, should, you, should you take your drugs to the police station to have them tested no that's why you said we should build some other countries have different thoughts you know our country is our country right. now listen, so, he was saying he's seen it work in other places and so something mm -hmm. like that could be implemented here instead of always trying to demonize right. these people who are addicts and calling them fiends and crackheads I think we should. Right. I, I think instead of creating the safe spaces, we should invest resources in the people going to rehab. We should invest resources in the people seeking treatment and provide opportunities for them. That's what. But I what think. do we do with the people who say no? Our older generation is against all of that. Right. You, you could know. do both. You could invest more money into that and also have resources where, if they are going to continue to do it, at least don't die from something that's not what you think it is. Exactly. Hey man, I'm well, not encouraging nobody to do heroin. I'm not encouraging that's anybody. What it is. That's exactly again, what I'm it not is. Encouraged, like, <laughs> so what about the people that are using it? Just I mean, pray they need help. That's I all you can do. But what if they don't want to get help? You know how hard that is. If they don't want to get help, pray for them. Yeah, I mean, I want to. Because it's not going to end well. Just leave them. But it's not going to end well. I just said just help them. They need help. But I don't want to encourage anybody else to get on heroin. At all. All Let's talk about it. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Call me. Add your opinion to the Breakfast Club top. Come on. 800-585-1051. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We're taking your calls on the doctor that just called about uh, drug use. And Dr. Carl Hart, he was up here. He, yeah, mm -hmm. he's here. But like, I, I, my opinion, I, I think that nobody should be using heroin. Like, I, I would say behind that. the scenes, I think they should ban cigarettes. If they telling you cigarettes causes cancer and cancer kills you, why are we allowing people to smoke it? That's I don't think people should opinion. eat meat. The only thing I, I agree don't think people should eat red meat. The only course. thing I agree with Dr. Carhart on is that drugs should be decriminalized. That should be the message because I don't want to see people going to jail because they have addiction problems. Correct. Red I meat is a that. level one carcinogen and we sell that and eat it. I mean, if if something if we, we can if it's guaranteed that something can kill you like cigarettes, like heroin can. And it's so addictive? No, I, I, I'm not going to encourage nobody to ever use it and say it's okay or it's fine. That's just my opinion. But let's go to the phone lines. Uh, hello, who's this? Hi, this is Kathleen. 
Hey, good morning. What was you, your thoughts on the doctor, Doctor Carhart? Well, I, I, I get, I get it that he said he wants the kids to come home. I get that part. Everybody's going to try it, but I don't agree with him when he said, "Oh, go get it tested." How many addicts you know are going to be able to go out there, buy, purchase their drugs, and then go get it tested? No, they want they fix then. They don't want to wait and try to get it tested. They want it then. Right. I guess he was and saying he's he seen said, it work in other countries. But heroin is too much he, of a monster drug, y'all. This is heroin. It's the most addictive drug. <laughs> like, he <laughs> said something that had me laughing. He said how he quit opiates just like that. That wasn't his drug. But I bet you he can't quit heroin just like that. Exactly. Well, he said he hasn't taken it in a year he, and a half. I don't believe him. No, that, I don't believe that. Well, thank you, um, Mama. Hello, who's this? Russell. Hey, Russell, what's your, what's your opinion on the doctor, Dr. Carhart, that just checked in? Um, I think he's a quest, man. I think he's just um, like all, all drug users. He's just trying to justify his use. Because for him to speak, he destroy our communities. And it, it's crazy. Okay. I've been around. I'm 61. I've been around. I've seen them since the, uh, the boys coming home from Vietnam. All messed up. And, and uh, all in the 80s. Bed side, south side, Jamaica. Word. It tore us apart, man. But for him to say that is Hello, who's this? Uh, anonymous. Hey, anonymous. What are your thoughts on the doctor? Um, I felt that I I understood what he was saying. I felt that there are functional drug users out here, and like I told the other guy on the phone, I told him I'm not a drug user, but I be around people. Who deal, and I've been around people who use. I hear that Geechee in your voice now. I hear that 843, so I know you ain't lying. And yes, Last year actually was the highest uh, opioid overdose rate ever. But eventually that lifestyle catches up. And I just don't understand anyone who's actually seen dope heads, who's actually seen heroin users, what it does to a person, what it does to a community. I don't understand how you can encourage anyone to do heroin. 
Yeah, my, mine comes from a different place. Mine comes from a, a close family member that OD'd and died, and I'll never get back from drugs. Mine comes from a place of me investing in real estate in Patterson and Atlantic City and walking into these houses and seeing heroin addicts and fiends and stuck and and know that and, and having conversations with them mm -hmm. and telling me that they can't get help, that they've tried. They've been to rehab so many different times, but they just can't kick it. And they came from good families and their families have tried to save them all, you know, over and over and over again, but they got to stay in these areas because they got to buy their drugs. They got to be able to use their drugs and how sad that is. And I never would want my family member, my child, never. my friend, or anybody on, on something that's dependent where they're living in the slums. No heat, no air conditioner, you know, no water, no nothing, just to get these drugs. And, and I, like know, I, said, I know I, in I the seen future. how much pain my mother had to deal with because her brother passed away from the OD. And I would never tell anybody, oh, being a functional uh, a drug user is okay. No, I, I, that's my opinion. If, if y'all don't like it, it's me. I don't want my kids. I don't want my family members. I don't want anybody using those hard drugs. I know in the future, I'm going to have a drink with my children. I know in the future, I might even do, I might smoke some weed with my children. Mm -hmm. I ain't doing no heroin. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I ain't smoking no crack. I ain't doing no but cocaine. That's me. I'm not doing no coke. I'm not doing no heroin. No, I'm not man. doing no crack. I'm not doing opioids. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm not doing none of that. That's just but me. I, I'm but not I, doing ecstasy. That's just me. I don't want to. That's me personally. I've seen the effects of it on family and friends, and I just don't want to be. But in that the situation. moral of the story is, I do feel that all those drugs should be decriminalized. I don't want to see people going to jail for addiction, but I, I want to see people get help. I don't want to create safe spaces so they can do their drugs. We should invest resources into people going to rehab, seeking treatment, and providing better opportunities for them. I agree with that as well. I don't understand how somebody that's addicted to heroin could get locked up if they're addicted to it. They Gotta get them help. All right. Well, we got rumors on the way? Yes, we are going to talk about a new group that Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack have formed. All right. We'll get into that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Hey, morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Good morning. What's happening? Okay. Yeah, talking to the mic, bro. Oh, you couldn't hear me? No. 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 What's happening? There you go. Good morning. Let's get to the rumors. Let's talk to the music. This is the Rumor Report with Angela Yee. Rumor has it. On the Breakfast Club. So listen up. Nah, 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 nah. Well, here is just a sampling of some things that are out today. Bryson Tiller put out the anniversary deluxe album. Also, Chloe and Hallie gave out some extra music, too, with their Ungodly Hour Chrome Edition. Uh, also, Currency Collection Agency. Uh, Paige Kennedy put out his new project today, also, Paige. And then Pop Smoke has a new single, and that's from the Boogie movie. It's called AP. Look, AP. All right, that's just some samples of things that are out today. Young Blue has new music out with Coyle Ray also today, Thieves in Atlanta. Okay. All right, now, Mr. Potato Head is now gender neutral. People have all kinds of jokes now on social media. Somebody said from stud to spud. So they said they are renaming the toy line, though, not the individual toys themselves. I know people thought it was just going to be a gender neutral potato head, but now there's still Mr. Potato Head, there's still Mrs. Potato Head, but the line of products is called Potato Head. Who, who complained about this? Who said that this is something people wanted? Because aren't all Potato Heads neutral as soon as you just remove the parts? That's why they come with accessories, right? Yes. 
<laughs> I didn't know this was. Yeah. If I, I just mean, put eyes and a nose on it, it could be whatever. It could be. It could be whatever. <laughs> they want everybody to feel uh, included, so they're promoting gender equality and inclusion. Oh God. Potatoes don't have gender. Listen, and here's the thing too. I, I don't see no Mr. Potato Head or Mrs. Potato Head that come with um, penises Penis or, vaginas. or vaginas. Not at all. They had like the mustache, and I guess some women so have mustaches. That's fine, that, but that, that's not genitalia. Yeah. Like, but they still exist. Mr. Potato Head is still there. Mrs. Potato Head is still oh there. It's God. just called Potato Head. All right, man. Listen, all you woke people need some sleep. <laughs> it's a all lot. All right? When you, when, you, when you stay up too long, you get tired, and you start making really silly choices. All right, okay. Chelsea Hammond, uh, happy birthday to her. She's 46 years old, Jeez. and to celebrate, she was skiing naked. I don't know if you guys saw that, hmm. but she also put out an inspiring message. I'm grateful to be able to appreciate so much Canadian beauty. She's in Canada working. Coming to Canada for winter on a work visa and following all the mandatory quarantine rules has exposed me to some of the most beautiful pieces of nature I have ever seen. This is the place that made me fall in love with skiing, fall in love with the mountains, and appreciate that Mother Nature is always in control and that we must respect her and we must respect each other. Yeah, I agree with all that, but when I saw that picture all I heard was my daddy voice in my head see that, that's how you get pneumonia in your ass right there that's exactly how you get pneumonia in your ass all right now Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack have announced a new band called Silk Sonic according to them they locked in and made an album so they've already completed an album that does feature Bootsy Collins and the first single will be coming out next week on Friday bro uh, with the fan come on with the fan now what everybody can hear you fanning man no they can't you're just looking at me Oh my God. They don't hear nothing. I will say this though: that Anderson Pack Bruno Mars album. I don't want to have no expectations, but on paper, mm. that's Sounds an amazing, amazing. combination. It does. Yep. Mm. That's an amazing combination, Anderson Pack and um, Bruno Mars. All right, now, did you know? Since we're talking about that same, that same date, March fifth, that's also when the Coming to America movie is coming out on Amazon Prime, and Eddie Murphy's real life daughter is actually in the movie. Did y'all know that? I know yep. you saw it. Which one is she? Uh, the middle one, I think. Oh, she's his actual daughter. She plays in real life. Yeah. So here he is talking about this on Good Morning America. She's a good little actress, and she's been serious about it for a while. There are no words on how proud I am of my daughter and what a great job she did. And she auditioned for the role, and she's she got the role herself. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if she's the middle daughter or the oldest one in the movie. Because he got three daughters in the movie. Mm -hmm. I don't remember. All right, well, that is your rumor report. All right. You can hear my fan for real? Yes, we can hear your this, fan. I'm, this is Flame Monroe's fan. Flame Monroe. That's why it says uh, fan to flame. Mm -hmm. My guy, Flame Monroe. Well, my people, Flame Friend. Monroe. Yes, my people. Um, but I want a church fan, though, so please, still send your, your church fans up here. You look you like them. a grandma in church right now. Mm -hmm. I don't have no problem with that. I love grandmas in church. Drop on the clues bonds for all the grandmas that go to church on Sunday. If I can live to be as old as a grandma in church and to have that kind of wisdom and experience, I will take it. All right. Okay? All right. Well, thank you for that uh, rumor report. Up next is the People's Choice Mix. Get your request and revolt. We'll see you uh, on Monday. Everybody else. And also, don't forget, you know, uh, Caesar and I, I think Caesar will be up here in the next couple of weeks. He just dropped a new book. So make sure you pick up Caesar's book. It's called Flipping Keys. K-E-Y-S. K-E-Y-S. Oh, I was like, wow. Flipping keys. It's a whole drug theme today. No, you I mean, know damn well that ain't what it means. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I mean, flipping keys. I'm talking about ye. Oh, that's, that's real estate. It's, yes. it's about real estate, so check it out. You hear his story, and then we're going to be in Atlanta, I think, in two weeks, uh, doing one of our seminars, trying to teach the community how to purchase their first home. I think you should just stay in Atlanta. Once you go down there for All-Star, y'all mm -hmm. just stay y'all ass down there. Stay there for no, two weeks I don't want to see you for 20, 30 days, okay? Because you're going to need quarantine, quarantine. Quarantine, quarantine. You can't fly there and I, I come here and fly shot, back. I took my first shot at Oh, you did, you did, you did. Mm -hmm. When you get the second one, when they take the trash out again at CVS, so you can get the second one. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you got the first one, right? They took the trash out and they were throwing it out? That's 
God. Well, yeah, I mean, well, they have the vaccine and somebody didn't show up for their appointment and I was there, so I got the shot. Okay, so when do they take the trash out again at CBS <laughs> so you can get your second shot? About three, four weeks. We monitoring your bed, too, bro. Why? Because if that Beijing starts to come out of your throat, oh something goodness. wrong. Shout to uh, Kevin Hart. Shout to DJ Khaled. Boy. Shout to my brother Rick Boy, Ross. You was shout a snitch. to Diddy. They don't want to be shouted out. No, right I'm, just shout, I'm just shouting my peoples out. They don't want to be shouted out. Right yeah, you you, you want to be the Beijing boy so bad. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's what about? you're trying to do. You're trying to assemble a coalition of brothers who What's use that you? damn die. No, That's what you're trying to Beijing. do. But yo, shout to my brother Kevin Hart, Khaled. <laughs> wow. Diddy, Ross. Wow. I see our brothers out there, man. Have a great weekend. Let's get to the you gonna do an album with Diddy Khaled? Breakfast to die. Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Now, this is the last Black History Month that we're doing this month. Damn, Black History Month will be over after this, huh? Mm hmm. Well, I mean, the beauty of it is we black, so we celebrate our history uh, every day, all day. Absolutely. Okay, but today's Black History Month legend, the last one of the month, is the great Barry White, okay? Who was Barry White? Barry White was an American singer, songwriter, a brother who had a voice like none other. If you was born in the late 70s, you know, 80s, it's a great chance your daddy released all his ancestors into your mother while Barry White was the soundtrack, okay? Ask him. Can't get enough of your love, baby. Never, never gonna give you up. You're the first, the last, my everything. Come on now. Let's hear a little quick little compilation, you know what I mean, of that, that bass baritone voice that Barry had. When you lay down next to me Never, never gonna give you up I'm never, ever gonna stop Not the way I feel about you Girl, I just can't live without you Oh, man, incredible records. But the thing I love about Barry White wasn't just his music. It was his wisdom. And one of my favorite moments was a conversation he had on the Arsenio Hall show where he spoke on the power that we possess. Let's listen. The Breakfast Club presents a new Black History Month legend. You know, people tend to play down our power. Well, don't worry about it. This next guy do it unless there's God above to do it. There's a lot of things that has to change on this planet Earth that only we can change. And until we embrace the fact that we are as powerful uh, as we are as beings, we're going to continue to make the mistakes and allow the mistakes to be made from our children to our adults to our elderly to whatever situation you want to talk about. And that was another new Black History Month legend, courtesy of The Breakfast Club. Long live Barry White, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, when we come back, we got the positive note, so don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Good morning. It's time to get up out of here. Charlamagne, you got a positive note? Yeah, man. Uh, since it's the last day of Black History Month, man, why not, you know, talk about black power, okay? Uh, black power. Two quotes about black power from Stokely Carmichael, one from Huey Newton. Uh, first, Stokely. Black power can be clearly defined for those who do not attach the fears of white America to their questions about it. Huey P. Newton. Black power is giving power to people who have not had power to determine their destiny. Breakfast Club, bitches! Y'all finished or y'all done?